get into the word a little bit this morning. God, thank you this morning that we can gather as a church body and God, that, that we can minister to you. The scriptures actually say that we minister to the Lord. What a crazy idea that a God who loves us and does just so, so much for us, that when we come together, it's actually, there's a reciprocity in it. We minister back to you. And we're going to look at that this morning. So God, I hope that um, each one of us, it is stretch our hearts out a little bit to understand what worship is and how to worship and how to be lovers of God and, and to grow, God. That's maybe my greatest passion that I see is that I don't want us to be okay with where we're at. I don't want that for any single one of us, that like I've kind of made it and I'm doing okay with Jesus, so I don't need to, to press on to maturity. I just don't, I'm okay. God, I, I just pray against that, that you would break that kind of mentality down in every one of us and help us to just look for you and seek you and see you. That's what this whole series on worship has been about, finding God and pursuing his heart. So I pray this morning that you would help us to do that, learn a little more about it, and then to change the way that we go about it, have an outcome to our understanding. But God, we ask the Holy Spirit to come and help us do that. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about um, ministering to the Lord, actually. Uh, this will probably be the last, last one I do in um, the series on worship. Uh, next week, uh, we'll be starting into a series on the Word of God. And, and I'm going to tell on myself with how I'm leading you right now. We did a series on prayer. We did a series on worship. We're going to do a series on the Word. And we're going to do a series on the ministry of the Spirit. Because I really feel like the season that we're in as a church is to help you guys just grow a little bit in your overall understanding of what does it mean to be a Christian? How many of you know that being a Christian does not mean you come to church on Sunday? It does mean that you come to church on Sunday, but that doesn't make you. Uh, like, I love that analogy. Like, going into a garage doesn't make you a car, okay? <laughs> Showing up in church does not make you a Christian. It's one of the things that we practice as people to discover who God is and grow closer to him. That's why we gather together to worship. So as you all know, our highest value as a church is worship. That overarches everything we do. Passion for God, compassion for people, healing, caring, sending, equipping, relationships. Those are how we carry out this idea of worship. So the, the, the Bible talks a lot about ministering to the Lord. Now, now most of the, the texts that talk about ministering to the Lord are Old Testament texts. They're not all Old Testament, but many of them are. So I want to just take you on a little bit of a journey. So you're going to have to track with me. For those of you who are note takers, scratch down some verses. You can go back and look them up later. Because I'm going to go fast on the front end. And I'm going to build an idea for you that ministering to the Lord is something that was very significant in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, all of us are called to do it. Say, all of us. All. Say, I'm an all of us. I'm an all of us. All of us are called to minister to the Lord. That's actually what the Bible teaches. So when we look at this, this idea of minister means to serve. Now, in the, in the Hebrew context, though, it's not to serve like in a common sense. It's to serve somebody like of honor, respect, somebody who is regarded. It can be an earthly person or God himself. So as an example, like Joseph served in Potiphar's house. He ministered, literally is what it means, to Potiphar. So he was a person of position. You see it with Elisha, ministered to Elijah, was one prophet handing off to the next prophet a mantle. These are all examples of ministering. How about Joshua as the successor of Moses? Joshua served or ministered to Moses. These are all biblical concepts. And you see this all throughout the Old Testament, that there was a person and then a successor. And 
it with Joseph, it says in Genesis, that Joseph found favor in his sight, speaking of Pharaoh, and he became his personal servant. And he made him overseer of his whole house, and all that he owned, he put him in charge of it. Man, could you imagine being the number two guy to the wealthiest guy, the most powerful guy in the world? Could you imagine that? And he says, hey, make whatever decisions you want with my stuff. Oh, by the way, don't touch my wife. But make whatever, he did say that to him, by the way. And then his wife went after Joseph. You guys know the story if, you, if you've read your, but, but you see, he put him in charge of everything, everything. In the Psalms 103, it even says that the angels minister to God. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him, honor him, minister to him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Uh, listen, I'm going to suggest something to you too, that bless the Lord, O my soul. That is a, almost an admonition to us. You ever have trouble in your soul? You ever have your mind, your will, and your emotions going nuts? Come on, that's like three or four of you. The rest of you, I know y'all. I counsel you. You ask me questions. I know there's more of you than that. We all have trouble in our souls. Every single one of us. Something, somebody says something. Like you ever, like watch, you ministry folks, watch. I love y'all, ministry folks. Like Kevin will be up there worshiping. He's like, man, it rocked. Someone will go, you played a wrong chord. He's like, really? Of everything that God did, you got to focus. By the way, you didn't, Kevin. I'm just saying. Just <laughs> happened to use you as the example. Or you preach something that is really heartfelt and somebody complains. And, you're, and you have to keep your heart. You have to remember that the reason that you're doing it is that you're ministering to God. And you're trying to bring people in connection to him. Now, anytime you look at worship, you cannot look at worship and ignore King David. Without question, when you look at the scriptures, King David was the most profound worshiper of God in the entire Bible. When you look at the Psalms, more than half the Psalms were written by David himself. So listen, the Psalms, for those you don't know, that's like the worship book of the Hebrews. So half the worship book of the Hebrews was written by King David. King David was crazy. He ministered to the Lord also. This is what David set up when he's talking about how do we do ministry to the Lord. This is 1 Chronicles 16. You can go look at it later. I'm going to go fast. Okay, this is what he did. He starts with the song of thanksgiving in verse 7. And this song talks about faith. It talks about hope. All pointed toward God. It sings of his praises. It speaks of his wonders. The glory of his name and his strength. Remembering his covenant. Honoring him as creator, watch, and judge. And it calls for his salvation, for his glory and his strength. Like he sings, he starts by just singing a song like, God, you're amazing. Listen, this is what we did in worship. I said to you guys, use your own voices. You know why? Because when you use your own voice, you're exercising faith that's coming out of your heart towards God's. That is called ministering to the Lord. And I don't know about you guys. Do it, the parents, talk to me. When you do something for your kids, aren't you really happy when they say thank you? Man, I, now what about when they complain? Oh, heck no. I'll be like, you ain't getting nothing next time. Get a bag of rocks for all I care. You know what? But when they're grateful, aren't you like, man, I want to do more for them? God is the same way. When we're grateful and thankful with him, doesn't mean he withholds. It means this. You move into this interaction relationship, this flow of thanksgiving with him. 
so important that we learn these things. And then David, right after that, he starts to talk about the priest role. And again, I'm shrinking this down because I, I just want to set kind of a platform. It says in verse 37 that he left Asaph and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually. Now, for those of you who don't know, the Old Testament, God had these treasures within an Ark, and that, that represented his presence. Where the Ark was, God was. You guys understand that? Do you guys know in the New Testament that's not true anymore? That, that you're actually the one who houses the presence of God. It's no longer in temples or shrines. It's in people, and it's called his Holy Spirit. Hello? Okay, that's like three of you. Hello, church? That's a good thing. Like, you are now the temple of God. We don't, we don't have an ark. We actually ourselves are the ones who reflect the image, the glory of God. But what David said is because this model was set up by God, we want to make sure that we're ministering the Lord so much that they did this before him day and night. Okay, so you know what we did? Like, we're going to be together, I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours this morning. What if we did that 24-7? Wow. That, what if that was your job? Every day, you get up all day long, you tend to the things of God. That's Isn't it great? Yeah. Some of you are like, yeah, that'd be great, Pastor. I quit my job, just come and sing at church all day. <laughs> no, they actually worked. Come on. They were performing sacrifices, prayers, and administering in the temple. They were doing work. But all of you got to understand this. This is a model of what was to come. So what you're, what you're looking at right now that I'm talking to you about is actually what we're supposed to do now. So at this point, it was God focusing on a small group of the tribe of Levi. And he said, you guys are the priests. You are charged with carrying out the administration of worship. So David goes on. He says, that he set them up to minister to him. Oh, I'm reading the wrong one. Let me look at my, my better notes. I'm sorry. Um, to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. Watch. This is how they ministered, as gatekeepers. You guys know what a gatekeeper is? That's like a security guard. That's like somebody like, if you go to Jerusalem, there's different gates all around the city. Like there's the sheep gate, the water gate, depending on where you wanted to go in and what you wanted to get done would determine the gate that you would go through. So you have gatekeepers now. So part of their worship was to make sure that the holy city was preserved. Watch. Part of your worship is to make sure that the community of faith, the church, is what? Preserved. That is part of your job as a worshiper, that you're called as a gatekeeper. And then it says this, to offer burnt offerings. Now, in the New Testament, we don't do any burnt offerings. I mean, we barbecue now and again, right? But that's not a burnt offering. I'm just saying. That's just because we like ribs, right? Some of you are going to barbecue this afternoon, watch, watch the 49ers lose. Oh, no. I, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I couldn't. I'm playing. I don't really care who wins. I, but my Cowboys didn't even make the playoffs. I'm just saying. But that was fun. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you guys know I play with you, but I do like to. I do. Yeah. Anyways, let's keep going. So burnt offerings, though. Now, we don't have burnt offerings in the New Testament because Jesus was the once offering for all, right? So now the offering is that Jesus accomplished that for us. So now we boldly go before the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. And it goes on and he says this, to give thanks to the Lord because of his loving kindness that is everlasting. So worship was part of their job. They came in and they thanked God. What if, man, what do I say? Hey, Steve, I got a job for you. Your job 24-7, you're going to come into the temple, 
and you're going to walk around telling God how thankful you are that we're no longer captive to Egypt, that you led us through the wilderness, that you took us through the red. I mean, my job is to do that every single day. God, thank you. By the way, do you know that that's your job every day? That's actually your job every day. That is called ministering to the Lord. He charged it to a group here, but he later charges it to all of us that we're supposed to go about talking about the loving kindness and the graciousness of God. And then he said this, we do it with trumpets and cymbals. Now, I love you all. Don't start bringing tambourines to church. We have a worship team. They're pretty darn good at it. Let's let them do. You ever been to a church and somebody's in the row and they're like, pick a back and they're off. Like they're off. Like you're trying to clap with them and I'm playing. Some of you are like, what, Pastor? I'm not, though. I have actually been places where it wasn't very timely. But no, but, but it says that they, they worshiped and they did it with musical instruments. So I've had people say, like, why do you do worship the way? Why so long? Why this? Why that? Listen, we do it because I understand this. You need what happens from this stage toward you more than anything else in your life. I'm going to say that to you again. You need what happens from this stage to you more than anything else in your life. I don't mean me. I mean the reflection of Jesus. I don't mean Kevin. I mean the impartation of worship, bringing you into the presence of God. You need that more than anything else in your life. Some of you are like, no, I just need a job, Pastor. No, you need Jesus. You seek Jesus first, you'll have the right job. You seek Jesus first, young people, I love you all, you'll have the right husband or wife. Stop trying to chase the man or the woman, the thing, the job, the career, the education. Seek Jesus, let him unfold your life. And I'll tell you, this is free. I was 32 when I got married. 32 is really old when I got married. Now, all you young people, you all get married at 30, in your 30s now. Very few people get married. But when I was young, everybody got married in their 20s. So at 32, if you weren't married, everybody thought something was wrong with you. Yeah. Maybe there was, and I just duped Heather. I don't know. <laughs> but, but you know why I waited so long? Because I didn't want to marry the wrong person. It's the truth. It's the truth. I didn't want to marry the wrong person. I wanted to marry the right person. Was there time and heartache? And yeah, there's all of those things. But I'll tell you what, you want to make the right decision when it comes to a lifelong partner. You want to find somebody who loves God as much as you do or more. Just telling you the truth. Okay, that was free. That was just because I felt like saying it. And with trumpets and cymbals and with instruments and with songs of God. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of a dig on, on not our worship, but worship as a whole. So much of our worship does not be there. It's no longer songs of God. It's songs of how I feel. And listen, I know that God ministers in our feelings. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. What I am saying, though, is I've seen a move from worship that is very self-centric instead of God-centric. You know, like there, I mean, there have been times where our various worship leaders have picked songs, and I've said to them, I don't want you to do that song again. I'm like, why? Because it, doesn't say, it didn't say anything about the goodness of God. It didn't say anything about our need for him, his majesty, his glory, his... It's, I mean, Ronnie and I were texting recently, and Ronnie said, what do you think about this? And I said, I think modern music as a whole, I, I like it, it's creative. I said, but I think it misses the heart of God. I think there's times where, like how many of you guys have been saved for a long time, 20 years, 30 years? How many, you guys remember the old songs? Yeah. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. Will enter his courts with, so look, they all know it, they're saved. That, you know, that's a psalm. It's a psalm. And, and not, now watch, all the young people are like, oh, God, please don't do that. <laughs> Kevin's like, please, no. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is this. There was a simplicity to singing the scriptures. 
ministering to the Lord, which ministers to us. Some, some of it is, it, it's way too, too, I don't want to be negative on all of it, so please, I, let, let me preach, brother, let me preach, I hear you, I, I, I hear you, let me preach, I know, but I don't want to, you like, dump it all, but I want to say there are parts of it where we are missing the heart of God. There are times where everything that we do needs to be ministering to the Lord, not, listen, when you minister to the Lord, God will minister to you. That's how it works. You come ready to honor God, God will honor you for honoring him. It's really powerful, very simple, but it is true, truly effective. And, and it's with instruments and songs. So God always intended, by the way, to include all mankind. So what we've looked at thus far is just the Levites. Quickly, though, we looked at the Jewish people and how they worship, ministering to the Lord. But that was never God's plan entirely. God always intended to use the, his nation Israel to minister his glory to all of the earth. So watch, let me prove that to you so that I'm not just saying something. Israel was to be God's representative. Isaiah 56, 6 through 8, he says this, also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord. Foreigners. By the way, if you're not Jewish, you're a what? You're a foreigner. So that's most of us, if not all of us in the room, who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Watch, even those, say, I'm an even those. I'm an even those. I'm an even those. He says, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. For how many people? All people. Was never intended to be for a single group. It was always intended to go broader than that. And it says, the Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares Yet others, others being Gentiles, I will gather them also to those who are already gathered. He said, I'm going to pull the whole world together with the opportunity to worship me. This was always God's plan. It was always his pattern. For all people, listen, I looked up the word, all does in fact mean all. It's really not that remarkable. It means all. That means everybody is included. See, the role of the priests, they represented the people before God. And I know what some of you are thinking, I'm not a priest. Yeah, 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 you are. Watch, I'll prove that to you too. Like I said, just setting some groundwork for you, changing the way you think a little. First Peter says this, but you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You're a what? That means that your job is to minister to the Lord. That's it. That's what ministering to the Lord is. You're like, oh, I got my agenda, Pastor. You know, I, I love all this. I might be picking on something. Some of you go like, yeah, no, it's good. I'll show up to church when it's convenient. That's not ministering to the Lord. That's ministering to yourself and hoping that God will bless your plans. Ministering to the Lord means you make God first. Amen. Means that you make him the highest priority. Means that you honor him with all of your life. Not only in word, but also behavior. Like, listen, this is going to be hard. Some of you aren't going to like that I say this. Say, I love you, Pastor. I love you, Pastor. The Bible does not make going to church negotiable. It doesn't. It do listen, I love it. The people who are not listening, hopefully they catch it on podcast. You should be at church, not the Super Bowl today. Somebody's like, ooh, you're all mean, Pastor. Check it out. No, I'm telling you, that's what worshipers do. You honor God first. That's what the truth is. Now, one day, some people go, one day, being too harsh. Okay, maybe I am. Take it up with God. But I think there's some accuracy and what I'm saying, that we make allowances instead of putting God first. 
That's the point I'm trying to make. So, you know, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to a Super Bowl party and eat too much food. And I'm here preaching, okay? So I'm just saying, I'm going to. That's what I'm going to do. So you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies. That's called worship. That is called ministering to the Lord, of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Somebody say, thank you, God. Oh, my goodness. He took you out of your craziness and started to put you into a place that has some light in it. I don't know about you all, but I remember when I got saved. I remember it having, like, no clarity at all, and all of a sudden it was very clear. Like, I, I'm not a very smart guy. Well, I'm actually intelligent. Not a very smart guy in this season. I wasn't very smart. I did lots of things until God showed up, and then I was like, oh, that, now life makes sense. I'm called to honor him. That's, now, did I do that perfectly? No, I didn't do it perfectly, but I knew what my primary purpose was. And now for, like, praise God, 32 years, that's been my purpose. I put him first. I follow him first. It's why I said to you guys a couple weeks ago, last week too, I said, listen, I don't try to act like you should copy me. I don't roll like that. But there are some things that I've done in honoring God that you should copy. Because it helped me to grow in Christ the same way it'll help you to grow in Christ. Not saying it arrogantly. I had other people who did the same thing with me. They said, you should do these things. It will help you grow. Don't, I mean, it started like this. You might think this is pretty, don't go to bars. But all my friends hang out there. Yeah, you should probably get new friends too. I remember somebody actually had that conversation with me. And I'm like, but I rolled with these people. Like, we went to high school together. And then as soon as I stopped smoking out with them and stopped drinking with them, they were no longer my friends. Funny, funny thing how it happened that way. I'm just saying, you, you got to pick how you're going to walk it out. And I'm trying to impart some stuff, hopefully, that will help you challenge some of the things that you may be okay with that maybe you shouldn't be okay with. He said, in the past, finishing Peter, you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. So you're a priesthood. Revelation 1.6 it says, and he made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Made you a priesthood. So, so the Old Testament model, the gatekeepers, the worshipers, the playing instruments, the singing songs, the giving of thanks, the sacrifices, all of that stuff is now whose job? Ours. It's ours. That was always what God intended. That worship would be for all people, not for a select few. Not for a select few. It was always intended to be for all people. So what was once restricted to very small groups is now open to everybody. See, listen, now we're called to serve God by representing him to all people. See, people watch your life. And I'm not talking about singing at church. I'm talking about how you live every day. They watch how you work at work. I'm going to meddle a little bit. You guys okay if I meddle a little bit? I'm going to do it anyway, so just you can get up and get coffee if you're not playing. Don't do that. I'm going to meddle a little bit. What kind of an employee are you? Are you on time? Do you complain about the boss all the time? What kind of employee are you? What kind of husband are you? What kind of wife are you? Are you honoring, respectful? Are you thoughtful, considerate? Are you somebody who takes the low road, the humble road? Instead? How are you behaving with your friends? Are, are you leading them, pointing them toward God? Are you honoring them? Are you seeking to, to show Jesus to them? in your lifestyle, and your behavior. What about your kids? How are your kids doing? Are your kids angry at you? Or are they, they mad at you? To, are they, they, now listen, I'm not talking about if you're living for God and they don't like that. I got a few, not, not in my household, but a few close family members 
my, my brothers and sisters whose kids are kind of like, yeah, I don't want to hear any of that Jesus stuff. And they're not doing anything but just living for Jesus. That will happen sometimes. But you stay consistent in loving them. You stay consistent in pattern. You can't be hypocrite. You can't say one thing here and do another thing there and then have them see Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? I, that's as direct as I'm going to get, but that is so important. If you want the next generation to inherit something of the godliness that you possess, you cannot be double-sided, double-minded. You cannot be hypocritical. What they see should be what they get. Don't say one thing, do another. Okay, I'm done. That's all the meddling. We're called to serve God by representing him. So worship is something that always is from the heart. Anytime we talk about worship, we talk about worship because it's something that flows from your heart. You know how I can tell, and I don't mean this meanly because some of you I know you're like, hey, I don't like singing and I'm not super comfortable with that. This is what I know, that worshipers worship. People who've been touched deeply in their heart, they don't care about how they sound. They don't. Like some of y'all, I love you. You don't sound good. <laughs> Just saying. But you know what I love? That you go for it. I, I seriously do. I love that you, because to God, I love it. God's tone deaf. The joyful noise to him, but he likes it. Yeah, so, so listen, when, when Kevin was leading some of y'all singers, I was like, ooh, we need some music lessons. I'm playing. <laughs> Look, that's true for me, too. I'm just playing with y'all. But I know this, that God wants people who he has their heart. And one of the ways you can tell when God has a heart is by what you do with it. When you get into environments where the spirit of God is, you don't go get coffee and head to the door. You're like soaky. You're like, ooh, sponge. Like, even if you're not comfortable with it, like, it's kind of weird to you. You're still like, there's something right about this. Like, I, I can sense God's presence. So listen, and God was very present in worship. You guys need to understand that. If you didn't know that, he was very much here. But I just want to encourage you all. That's how you grow. You, you can't be afraid of spiritual things. Walking with Jesus, listen, is spiritual. It's spiritual. You can't be afraid of spiritual things. Now, listen, it might be uncomfortable. Grow a little slow. It's okay. You don't have to be weird like Pastor James day one, but you've got to be a little weird. You know, God does say that you're peculiar, so it's okay to be that way. Are you guys tracking with me at all? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Guys okay? Yeah, you've got to step outside of being too comfortable with yourself. So we talk about worship. The modern generation makes worship too self-centric, makes it about them. When it, it, it isn't, by the way, that isn't entirely wrong. That's not entirely wrong, so that you know. Singing about how you need God is not wrong. Singing about what he's done for you is not wrong. But somewhere in there, it's got to point to Jesus still. Still got to point to Jesus. Still got to talk about how amazing he is. Like, even if it sounds good, doesn't necessarily mean it's worship. And I've gone around this with lots of worship leaders. I mean, Kevin and I have disagreed before. Vic and I have disagreed. My brother Steve and I have disagreed. And I just tell them, like, listen, this song is not a worship song. It's, it's Christian. But it doesn't have a hook. It doesn't pull me in, me, us, into the presence of God. It doesn't have that sense of the Spirit's presence. It's good. Something that I hear on air one, it's, it's pop, but it's not worship. Worship takes you into the presence. It has an anointing in it. It's not just, the, am I talking to anybody right now? It's not just the cleverness of the song. It actually has an anointing. I've heard music that is amazing, but didn't draw me into the presence of God at all because there wasn't a, 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 a point toward God. It wasn't designed to minister to, to the Lord. It was designed for us to like. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. But that isn't worship. Worship is when you're serving and honoring God, and he's reciprocating that by ministering life to you. 
bringing wholeness. Does that make sense? That's some of the simplicity of it. See, when we come into the house at Summit, I want to ask you a question. Why are you here? Why are, you, why are you here, each individual? Why are you here? See, because those are real questions we have to ask. You know, it, am I here because I want to connect with my friends? Nothing wrong with it. That shouldn't be the number one reason. Am I here because I like the people or I, I like the preacher, so I'm going to miss most of worship? Whatever. I've seen it all, you guys. I've been in ministry for, holy cow, 17, 18 years now. Been in full-time vocational ministry for that long, and I've been in ministry for 30 years. I've watched this, the human dynamic, over and over for years. If you want to grow, you've got to be where God is, with him being the highest priority. Now, I, I hope that that doesn't sound mean-spirited or edgy. It's not intended. It's intended to pull you in. He has more for you than what you're getting. He has more. We should never be satisfied with what we're getting. We should always be pursuing, hungering for God. Okay, so you, why are you here? I'm trying to help you figure out some of the whys. That's why we did this series. Why are you here? Like, listen, everybody's why is going to be a little bit different based on our maturity level, the season of life we're in, the pressures we're facing. But ultimately, the why should be to worship God. That should be the why, to minister to the Lord, to make him first and foremost. So let's talk about a few practical things, just some ways to do it. Okay, so these are practical. These are not intended to be massively deep or insightful. You could find it in the Bible very easily, but sometimes when you come to church, you'll watch other people do stuff, and you'll think, that's kind of weird. Not all of it's weird. Some of it is biblical. By the way, this list is not exhaustive. I just did a few of them, like five of them, but I want you to track with me. First one is this, some biblical expressions, and listen, I'm doing these because of this. Your outward physical expression is often a reflection of your heart. What you are willing to do in the presence of God displays where your heart's at. Okay, I can also tell you this, though. I've seen people who laid with a woman the night before and had their hands raised the next morning. This is not the only sign. I'm telling you straight up, your heart, your outward expression reflects your heart some. So lifting your hands, kneeling, bowing, singing, shouting. So let's cover a few of them to kneel before the Lord. Is this biblical? Yeah. Watch. I'll even do it old school for you. Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before... The old song. We used to sing the Psalms. That's what we used to do in the olden days. Is bowing... But You guys don't want to hear me sing no more, I know. <laughs> Is bowing, let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. You know, a few weeks ago, Steve was leading worship, and he said, some of you, maybe you just need to get on your knees right in your seat there. And I didn't look. I was up front. I didn't look. But I did wonder, did anybody feel the comfort to minister to the Lord by kneeling before him? See, kneeling is, is kind of like surrender, isn't it? Like, you know, football, you football fans, you catch the ball and you kneel in the end zone. And you're saying, we're done with this play. It's, it's an act of what? Surrender. That's what it is. That's what kneeling is. But that is one of the biblical expressions of worship. Watch, another word in the Hebrew is this, to shine or to be foolish or to act clamorously foolish before the Lord, okay? So to act like you lost your wits. Ever been to church, people running around? You guys remember, this is probably 10 years ago. We had a group of people that were wild worship people. Uh, Tony, Tony Green, Greenfield, one of them. Uh, is that the right name, Greenfield? 
Yeah, yeah, Tony. If I say Tony, most of you know what I'm talking about. But, but she'd get going. She'd start bouncing. Before I knew it, there was a line of people dancing around the church. I remember I got up afterwards. I stood up front. And I said, you know, I've been a pastor a lot of years. I never thought I'd have a hallelujah line going to my church. Never thought that. But I thought it was really cool that she felt the freedom, watch, to be clamorously foolish before the Lord. Watch, and this is what I know. Some of you feel that way. If you do it, other people will follow you. Sometimes other people are just looking for the permission to do it. But you don't want to be the only. Yes, gee, you want to be that person. No one does. You're like, I'm the only one jumping. It's kind of like when you go to the Lakers game, but, but you're a Chicago Bulls fan, and you jump up, yeah, the Bulls won. Everybody looks at you like, you're about to die, son. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Clamorously foolish. First Chronicles 16.4, he appointed some, the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to celebrate, act clamorously foolish. Wow. Listen, when David worshiped, what did he do? He danced. What was he wearing? His chonies, man. Homeboy was dancing in his BVDs. I'm like, Jesus, don't pick me for that one. Ain't nobody want to see this without clothes on. <laughs> Not even my wife anymore. Come on. You know, I'm just saying. But David was clamorously foolish before the Lord. See, I've seen people, some so ridiculous over a game. Listen, I, listen, I know this. Some of you are going to watch the Niners play today, or the Chiefs, whatever game, whatever team you like, and one of those teams is going to win today, and you're going to go nuts. And you're going to watch more nuts than you did in church. Wow. That's the truth. That's the truth. I don't mean to be mean, because if the Cowboys were in it and they won, I'd be going nuts too. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm still praying Jesus help me. <laughs> Maybe next year, I don't know. But clamorously foolish is an expression of worship. What, what does that look like? I don't care what other people think. I don't care what other people think. This is me ministering to God, grateful for what he's done in my life. That, that's what it is. That's what acting clamorously foolish before. How about this one? Shouting to the Lord. You ever gotten together and just, woohoo, God. Like we did a little bit this morning. A few people shouted. But you know, you start shouting too much and people go like, well, why don't that person shut up, man? What's that? You know, that's what happens. Because it's a cultural thing. But shouting to the Lord is a biblical thing. It says in four, Psalm 47, he says this. Watch another one. Clap your hands. Come on, try this with me. Clap your hands and shout to the Lord. Watch, try it. Just humor me. Say Jesus with me on three. One, two, three. Jesus! That's all it is. Now watch, some of you this afternoon, you're going to be going, 49ers! And it won't change your life. It's still fun. There's nothing evil about it. But shouting and clapping is part of worship. It's, it's giving an outward expression of what's going on in our heart. When I clap, it's me. Like, honestly, when I was clapping this morning, this was going, yes, God, come on. Come on. That, like, ugh, that's what I was feeling. I, it wasn't a celebration like, oh, thank you, God. It was more like, come on, let's go. And there are different ways to do it, but that is an expression of worship. Shouting to the Lord, clapping to the Lord. What about this? Singing a new song. This happened a little this morning too. Like I couldn't have made this up. Like I couldn't have made up what happened on the stage this morning as illustrations to what I'm preaching. I didn't communicate this with Kevin. He didn't know. None of you all know. And you can't make the Spirit show up. You can't. 
You enter into his presence and he decides to mingle when you sing out to him. You can't make those things happen. But, but watch, this is what it says in Psalm 96. It says, sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all of the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, proclaim good tidings in his salvation from day to day. Again, this wells up from your heart. Now, I know some of you are like, I'm not musical. I don't know what to sing. I promise if you just will kind of do it, yeah, make it, yeah. Thank you counts. Praise God counts. Worship you counts. You can, whatever you're comfortable doing. But you will be shocked that when you sing a new song to the Lord, it changes something inside of you. It's a point of heart offering. It's a point of surrender. It's a point of saying, yes, I agree with you, God, what you're doing. Singing a new song, like I said, I couldn't have made that up had Kevin do it, but that is some of what it is, letting people sing what God is putting in their heart in the moment. That's what it is. And the last one I'm going to talk about is the lifting of hands, and I'm going to break a, down a couple other things. We're going to take communion. I'm going to try to get you out of here. Yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> Sucker, y'all came. <laughs> Now, the lifting of hands in Psalm 63, verse 4, it says, So I'll bless you as long as I live. Uh, I will lift up my hands in your name. By the way, that's a song too, but I won't torture you all with that. We, the, all of these, there's music to all of them. All of them. And, and that's one of the things that I really loved about some of the older music. But lifting of hands. Now, I got a question for you. You ever watched a cop and robber show? And somebody gets caught, and the police go, what? Put up your hands. Okay. What are you saying? I, and the, and the, I give, I give. Just don't, don't shoot me. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about? That, that's what's happening. When you lift your hands, you're saying, I Exactly. That's all it is. It's, it's also, watch, an expression of love. When my kids were little, they're too big for me to do this with them now. I don't know that I could pick them up anymore. They would come up to me and they'd, they'd go, Daddy. I wouldn't be like, peace out. I, I would, oh, my kiddo. And you, you know, I loved it when they were little because they like fit. I, that was so cool. They're not small anymore. It's a bummer. I'll have grandkids someday, though. I'm just saying. But, but there, there's this act of love, this I need you, I want you. For those of you with little kids, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who were all kids once, when you did that to your parents and they swooped you up, wasn't it like, oh. it was great. That's what that expression of love is. Okay, so let's talk about a couple of what does ministering to the Lord accomplish? So those are just a few how-tos. I didn't go through, like there's a list. I could have done probably 30 of those with you from the Psalms. Different ways to express love and worship to God. Lots of them. Didn't do all of them. I didn't even touch dancing, but dancing's in there. And by the way, you want to do that and somebody gets tweaked out about it? Just do it. I'll talk to them. No, no, I'll open up the Bible and say, listen, it's in the Bible. It's okay. If it's in the Bible, we get to do it. That's pretty much how I roll. So I'm not saying be weird. Don't go stomping on no one's feet. You know, that's not, that's not cool. But it's okay if you want to bebop to the Lord and dance a little bit. I do it on occasion. I like it. But, but I want to encourage you. You have freedom to do that. But ministering to the Lord, what does it accomplish? When they ministered to the Lord, he gave direction. That's one of the number one things. When you minister to the Lord, you'll get direction. Now, how many of you guys remember young Samuel, the prophet? He's like the beloved prophet of Israel. Samuel was an amazing man of God. And he's underneath a wicked priest named Eli. And Eli, like, man, his sons were having sex in the, in the doorway to the temple. I mean, his sons were terrible. And so, so young Samuel, in the night, God calls him. 
So Samuel gets up and he goes to Eli, thinking Eli called him, and he says, what do you need? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Happens a second time. Same thing. Go back to bed. Third time. Same thing. Go back to bed. Only this time he says, next time you hear it, Samuel, say to God, here I am. Your servant is listening. By the way, worship is service, right? Your servant is listening. Now, he was a young boy. By most accounts, people think he was 12, maybe 14 years old. So there's no junior Holy Spirit, okay? Like Holy Spirit can move through people any age, any time. So he's a young guy. God speaks to him, and he gets his first prophetic word because he says to God, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Wow, By the way, some of you should say this. Speak, God, because your servant's listening. I think God is speaking a lot more than we're listening. Just, I think that's the truth. I think he's talking a lot more than we're willing to pay attention. So sometimes it's us being intentional with God saying, hey, God, speak. I'm here. I'm listening right now. Is there anything, like even all morning, I was like, God, is there anything you want to show me before I get to church? Anything you want me to speak into before I get there? To encourage the people to be a voice piece for you? Anything you want to do in my own heart before I get there? I want to be ready. I want to be a, a, a clean vessel, a ready vessel. Is there anything you want to do? Speak, God, for your servants listening. Now, you might not use that phrase. You might say, hey, peace out. God, I'm here. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not playing. But I, that, that might be a little too colloquial, but you know what I mean. You can go to God and say, I'm ready to hear what you want to say. And you can ask him to speak to you. And my experience has been anytime you go to God and ask, He'll speak. Now, Now the biblical context for this, just a little bit of it, it says, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord before Eli, watch, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So if God's not talking and he decides to talk to Samuel, by the way, he does talk to Samuel, Samuel's prophetic word is the judgment of Eli and his sons. And then God says, oh, and it's okay to go tell him. And he says to Eli, and Eli goes, well, you know, God is God. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he's going to do. A few chapters later, he falls back, says he was a fat man. He falls back, breaks his neck. Both of his sons are killed in battle. And then his daughter-in-law's died. One of them dies given childbirth. I mean, like crazy. Like the judgment is carried out like, bam, swift. That was his first. Now, some of you are like, I don't want God to talk to me like that. That's scary, Pastor. No, what I'm encouraging you, though, is if you position yourself to listen to God, he'll talk to you. He'll talk to you. I've been saying this to you for months now. If you will set time aside to listen, he will speak. Just speak. That's how God moves. He doesn't want us to be clueless. See, Samuel, beloved prophet, that was his first word. Okay, so if you want to discover your calling, your gifting, position yourself to hear from God. Speak for your servants listening. As he was ministering to the Lord, God released the calling on him. You get what I'm saying? So some of you during worship... You might want to start paying attention because God might be talking and you may not be listening quite as attentively as you need to be. Okay, so how about a couple of New Testament ones? First one is this. When they were ministering to the Lord, God set them apart. This is Acts chapter 13. It says, now they were in Antioch, verse 1, in the church, um, in the, in the church that was there, um, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius the Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, later to be called Paul, by the way, while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, by the way, we just did that a few weeks ago, right? 
So sometimes you fast to figure out what it is that God is releasing. They're ministering to the Lord. They're fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to. Then, when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them out. So how many of you guys want direction from God? Help me out by show of hands. If any hand doesn't go up, I think you're a weirdo. I'm just serious. If you don't want to know what God is showing you, I think you're crazy. I just do. Like, there's a lot of things to do in life, but I do know this. Knowing what God wants you to do might be the most important thing for your entire life. By the way, when you set yourself aside to minister to God, he will give you direction for what he wants you to do. Right after that, Barnabas and Saul, they change his name to Paul, and off he goes. As watch, the most effective Christian with the exception of Jesus that ever lived. I want you to put that into your framework. You're like, you mean, so they were in like a little worship service kind of thing, and the next thing you know, he writes half the New Testament. Yeah, what if that's you? Listen, what if you're the next revival waiting to happen? Well, what if you're the next Billy Graham waiting? You're like, I ain't got no platform path. I'm too old. Hey, you never know what God will do. You never know how old you'll be, what he will do through your life. Like, like listen, I'm 54 years old. That's pretty young. Come on, help me. Yeah, yeah okay, good. I, I feel better about it. I, I'm, I'm 54 years young. I do feel young, actually. But I feel like a revived vigor that God has been giving me because I, I've said to the Lord, I'm just being transparent with you. I will do whatever you want. I want more than what I have. I'll do whatever. I'll preach more passionately. I'll study more diligently. I'll serve more exhaustively. I'll do whatever you ask. I'll do it. I want more. I'm not, God, I'm not satisfied. I'm grateful. Please understand, I'm really grateful. I'm not like, oh, stupid church. I don't think like that. I really don't. I might think that about a few. No, I'm playing. <laughs> no, I don't. I really don't. I really feel an absolute gratitude for what God allows me to do. But I said, okay, God, I'm 54. I don't know how many more years I can go strong. 15, 20, 25? I don't know. I want to be a Caleb. I want to be 80 years old, and they're going into battle, and he's like, I'll go. I'm in. I'm in. I've got the, the vigor of a 20-year-old, even though I'm 80. That was Caleb. I want to be wired like that. So God, when, I'm, when, I'm, when everybody else thinks I should be retiring, I still want to be going strong. So you let it happen, I'll do it. For me, listen, that is me ministering to the Lord. God, I'll do whatever you ask. It, it, I'll partner with you however. If this is as big as it gets or as influential, okay. I want more. You may not want more. I'll do whatever you ask. Does that make sense, church? Yes. See, that is part of being a worshiper. That's part of walking with God. It's part of being a minister. See, you got to think like this, man. Paul was the most influential Christian that ever lived. Ever lived. Short of Jesus, the guy wrote, well, if you include Hebrews 14 of the New Testament books, that's half the Bible, half the New Testament. That's remarkable. Somebody say, that's remarkable. That's amazing. That's amazing. What if that was you? That could be you. And then the last one I want to take about, talk about, and then we're going we're gonna to take communion together. And You know, if we're going to look at a model for ministering to God, Jesus is a good model. Would you all agree? Je Jesus would be somebody that we would want to look at as the only begotten of the Father, God himself, but lowering himself to be a man. 
to honor, watch, to minister to the Lord. Okay? So what did Jesus do? We're going to take communion shortly. So I want to read this to you. This one I didn't shrink down. This one I'm, I'm going to leave at face value. John chapter 13 says, Now before the feast of Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour has come, and that he would depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, which in a few minutes we're going to celebrate this, the devil had put, had already put in the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, how many things? Okay, so he was ministering to God. How many things did he have? Okay, I'm not trying to be a name and claim it guy. I'm trying to tell you there's a spiritual principle in being fully devoted to God. There's a spiritual principle in it. So, so having already put it into the heart of Judas, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he had put, and he had come forth from God, and he was going to go back to him. He got up from supper, laid aside his garment, took a towel, and he girded himself. He poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Can you say he began to serve them? That's what he's doing. Now, now we don't really think like this. Like, I, I mean, my, my wife jokes with me. She's like, I ain't never touching your feet. I got ugly feet. By the way, can I say for the record, there's no such thing as a pretty foot. I just think they're ugly. They're not pretty. Toenails are nasty. They're all grown. It's ugly. They're not, they're not nice. Feet are not nice. Something I know, you have a foot fetish, God bless you. I think feet are, you know, you can, <laughs> my wife's even got cute feet, and I'm still like, they're feet. I don't know. But, but we wear shoes. We wear shoes. They didn't wear shoes. If you were poor, you were likely barefoot. And if you were not, you were wearing sandals. The majority of the roads in this day and age were not paved. I mean, in Rome proper, there were some that were paved. But as a whole, the majority of the place was dirt. How many of you guys have ever gone hiking in those, those sandals that have Velcro straps and they're open? You go hiking in them? That's nasty. There's dirt all up in there. There's rocks in your feet. That's the way you need to think about what's happening. So to wash these folks' feet, it's not like, oh, I'm going to do something all nice and pretty. They were dirty, filthy. I mean, homeboy might have walked in and stepped in the, you know, the cow manure on the way in. You don't know. His feet were likely, I'm not trying to make it like, oh, I'm saying they were not clean. Jesus looks at his guys and says, hey, I'm going to pour a little bit of water. I'm going to wrap a little bit of towel around me. And then he goes and he starts to do something. And I want you to watch the interaction between him, him and the disciples. Because there's some interesting things about how he behaves with them and what he promotes to them. But he gets up to wash the disciples' feet, and he wipes, and to wipe them with the towel which he had girded about himself. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? In other words, like, you're the Messiah guy. I'm, you're not washing my feet. You wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, what I do, you don't realize right now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Okay, I'm going to talk to you for just a second. Never say never to God. I'll just tell you straight up, never say never to God. God is in the business of flipping nevers over. Like, like he doesn't, let, let, I, I love this about God. He won't overrun your will. He won't. He won't force you. I, like, you can find instances in Scripture where God does that. I'm not saying it never happens. As a whole, God leaves us to have our own choice 
to choose to worship him, honor him, walk with him. You guys all understand that. It is a choice on our behalf to walk with God. But this is what happens. When you choose to say never to God, he simply lifts his hand off and he steps back and goes, okay, if you think you can do it on your own, have fun. Ever done this before, by the way? Am I the only honest person in the room? Anybody else ever done this? Don't leave me hanging, church. Some of us have done that. Not all of us. Where you got, I got this. You ain't got this. You don't. Never say never to God. Peter says to him, never will you wash my feet. Watch Jesus' answer. Jesus said to him, if, if I don't wash you, you don't have part with me. Man, is that like a line in the sand or what? Now, you got to like Peter's response. you got to like this. So Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Okay, listen, I know I just made a mistake, but you can give me a bath if you want. I mean, he's like, and I like Jesus' response even more. Watch this. This is great. So Peter says, you can wash my hands, my feet. And Jesus said, but he who's bathed needs only to his feet to be washed. In other words, take a bath at home, and he's completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. Now he's starting to point at Judas a little bit. For he knew the one that was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and he had taken his garments, he reclined at the table. And he said, do you know what I've done for you? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for I am. Listen, that's important for all of us to come to a place where we say, God, you're teacher and Lord. That is honoring him for who he really is. That makes sense, church? It's, it's not... Like, I, I don't know about you all, but I, I'm, I'm really good at negotiating with God. No, I, there are a few of you in the room that are honest. Like, I'll do this if you give me that. I, I, you know, anybody else negotiate with God? Yeah, I negotiate with God. And I think God is funny. Like, sometimes he's like, okay, knucklehead, I'll, I'll work with you a little bit. But other times I think he just pretty much says, no, you're going to do it the way that I asked you to do it. Or, or you're kind of left to yourself. See, see and, I, and I've done that with God, where I've negotiated. And my experience has been that he has brought me back over and over to just say yes to what he originally planned. Am I talking to anybody? Like, you know, you can do a few laps if you want. But at the end of the day, you're going to do what God asks you to do. That, that's, that's what it means to be a, a child of the Most High God. And he says, do you know what I've done for you? Call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, watch, you also ought to wash one another's feet. <laughs> By the way, these are the same guys who are like, um, can I have the seated on the right? And my brother have the one on the left? Like, these are those guys. He's now asking them, modeling for them what being a servant is. Watch, modeling for them what it means to minister to the Lord. What he's doing. He says, you guys understand. For I gave you an example that you should do just as I did. So you want to minister to the Lord? You should become a servant of people. You want to minister to the Lord? Say yes when God gives an opportunity for you to serve, whether it's within the church, something outside the church, with your neighbors, somebody needs help, whatever. Maybe it's moving. Yeah, my neighbor came over. I was doing yard work yesterday. I'm being a good husband. I'm turning dirt. I don't like turning dirt, by the way. I'm turning dirt. My neighbor comes over and she goes, hey, could you help me fix a few fence posts? I was like, um. And I'm thinking like, no, what went in my mind is, I'm thinking calendar. Busy tomorrow, I'm busy the next day, busy the next day. Like, that's what's going on. I'm like, 
I said, yes. He said, I don't know what day I can do it, but yes, can you show me what you want done? And, it would, and it'll end up being five or six boards. You'd be taken off and fixed. No big deal. But I could have said no. Watch. And then I wouldn't have had any opportunity to interact with her, find out anything about her life, invite her to church, give an opportunity to pray for her. I mean, the lady's a sweetheart. Her name is Delight. I mean, how, how better a name could you get than that? She's a sweetheart of a lady. I, I mean, I couldn't say no. It would be like saying no to my mother. She said no. But sometimes we have to say yes to serving and, let, and then watch, allowing God to be a minister through you to people. Does this make sense, church? Yes. See, listen, I, I'm boiling worship down to this. If we're going to be people who minister to the Lord, it's not my job. It is our job. It was always intended to be the people's job, not a person's job. Always intended. So at whatever level you say, I'm here for you, God. I'm here to minister to you, to serve you, to honor you in whatever fashion. Just know this. God will take you up on that. And no, he doesn't always send people to Africa. I always have people say, you can send me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. Maybe some of you want to go. I don't know. But I'm just saying, God is not necessarily in the business of making you do the thing that you despise and hate. Sometimes he'll partner right in with what you're already doing. Watch. And he'll anoint it and empower it. I'll tell you the truth. I taught Bible studies that weren't anointed and empowered, and then I taught them that were. And they're way more fun when Jesus is in the mix. I'm just telling you the truth. I look at Vic, Vic shaking his head. I've led worship where God wasn't as present as I wanted him to be. And when you do what God is asking, you do it with his anointing, I'll tell you what, it's fun. It's fun. It's really exciting to watch God move through you and touch other people. All right, I am going to wrap up with us taking communion. So Kevin, if you would come up. I want to just walk us through taking communion together this morning. And really, my thought as we head into this is really this. What is the thing that you need to put on the plate before God and say it's yours? What is the thing? I see we all have something. We all have something. Our kids, our wife, our husband, our house, our job. We all have something that we don't really want to offer to God and say, "Have, have your way with it. For most of us, it is this, though. It's ourselves. For me personally, time. Don't ask me for time. God, please don't ask me for more time. Then he says, I want you to teach a men's study. You really, really, God? Yeah, and I want you to work with the guys that started an intercessory ministry. Really, God? Yeah, and I want you to get the Mexico going again. You do realize that means I got to go to Mexico, right, God? No, no, I'm being really, I'm being 100% transparent with y'all. And he said, yeah, do you want, do you want, Jesus, I want anything you'll do. I want more. He said, you remember saying that to me? I said, I do. (laughs) He said, this is what more looks like. You know, I'm going to connect this to something and then we're going to close. And I I don't mean to talk about Kobe per se, but the one thing that that I heard said about him, and I I didn't follow the Lakers. I I know nothing of his professional career. But what I heard over and over is, I've never seen anybody with more worth ethic. I mean, Phil Jackson, who coached Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, said, I've never met anybody who had greater worth ethic than those two men, but Kobe especially. So listen, you want to do something great for God? It doesn't come free. It It takes work. It takes energy. It takes time. Sometimes it takes schooling. Sometimes it takes money to go to school. And you're like, oh, God, I got kids, God. I can't go to school. If you'll trust me, I'll make a way. That's how God works. 
He calls us at our point of no for the thing we dream about so that we can realize it and then not only be fulfilled in our destiny, but be productive in his kingdom. This makes sense, church? That's what, that's what this is about. So as we get ready to take communion, I'm going to ask them to take the lights down. I'm going to ask a few of you to serve us together. But the, the thing I want you to put before God is, God, speak. Your servant's listening. How can I minister to you today, God? How can I minister to you? If I could ask a few of you to serve the rest of us, that'd be great.
Jesus, we want to come before you together and just say thank you so much for what you did for us, how you modeled what real ministry to the Lord looks like. God, as we prepare to take the bread which represents your body, we want to say thank you that your body was bruised for each one of us. That it gave us the, the freedom and the opportunity to, to really pray a prayer as bold as speak for your servant is listening. And Jesus, as we prepare to take the, the bread this morning, really what is in my heart, on my heart is, God, how can each one of us individually and corporately better minister to the Lord? How can we better minister to you? Jesus, thank you for your, your broken body. For each one of us, go ahead and eat. Jesus took the cup, he declared it was a, an everlasting covenant. And just as I was sitting up here, just pondering, God, what, what is the prayer over the cup that you want to pray? Like, if it was you praying, Jesus, what would you say right now? And he just dropped in my heart, pray a breaking of fear over people. They fear that I, I wouldn't provide or meet them, that they wouldn't be able, that the step of faith is too big. I'm asking too much. I don't know if that resonates with you, but I know it does with me. So God, we pray as we prepare to take the cup that you would take authority over fear in our life. Not only would you take authority over it, but that you would remind us that it's perfect love to cast out for we're, we're participating in your cup, Jesus, because it represents your perfect love for us. God, I pray for an increase of faith and hope, for provision, for open doors, and in some cases, closed doors. Knowing, God, that as we say, speak your servants listening, that you take those prayers, one, really seriously also empower us to walk in the thing you call us to. God, as we offer our hearts to you, we want to say thank you that you shed your blood so we could go right face to face with you and have real conversations with honest talking and honest listening with our God. What an amazing privilege. Jesus, thank you that you made a way for us to go boldly before the throne of grace. Go ahead and drink. Sing this through one more time for this mission. He shall return in robes of wine. A blazing sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed. On Jesus' face, He shall return in robes of white. The blazing sun 
shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face and oh praise the name of the Lord our God oh praise his name forevermore for endless days we will sing your praise oh Lord oh Lord our God your praise oh praise the name of the his name forevermore for endless days we will sing your praise oh lord oh lord our god oh lord oh lord our god Father, I pray you bless the folks that belong to you. Thank you for what you're doing in us. Each one of us as a church, what you're doing. God, we committed to you. Say, let us have an amazing day. Let us enjoy our parties, Super Bowl, hanging out with folks. Just pray that you continue to let us be light in a dark world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. All right, God bless y'all. Walking. 